I'm the man of God, Brother Sam. Amen. Why don't we just do that to Jesus right now? Father, we thank you, God, for your presence that we feel here in this place. Lord, we commit this service into your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you turn to someone and, you know, greet them and say, I appreciate you being here this morning. Uh, happy Chinese New Year. Amen. I don't know about you. Coming to service is such a privilege. And sometimes it feels, and I'm going to be honest with you as a parent, it's a war zone. I mean, packing up, dragging them. And then you thought that the work is just to bring them here. Um, but no, the war has just begun. Because now they all have to s sit there and listen to Brother Sam for the next, I don't know how long, maybe one hour. And you're trying to keep them still. So to all the parents, you're my heroes. TJ, we've got to be gracious towards them. And I want to let the parents know if your kids, you know, make noise, it's okay with me. I know you're trying your best. We do our best, okay? And as a church, we've got to let our kids, because you know, to be honest, I'd rather them be here than to be stuck at home. We want our children in the house of God. It's okay if they cry. Amen. It's okay. Once in a while, I mean, you can't stop a kid from crying. In fact, it was very funny that Jesus was very welcoming of children. Even though the disciples were like, hey, don't catch out Jesus. He said, no, let the children come. Because I'd rather them be in my presence. I'd rather them be exposed to the presence of God. And kids will be kids. Come on, we can't control certain things. And trust me, as, as speaking as a, and you all know, all the parents that we know, we also don't want them to make noise. Okay? So, we're going to be gracious to one another and we're going to give them some space. But it's wonderful to see them coming here and just worshipping God with us. And there's such a presence of God this morning. I don't know whether you feel it. You know, maybe you came here and it feels, church service feels like work to you. It shouldn't be. We come here, the Bible says He came to give rest. You come here with your burdens, you lay it down. Of course, don't rest until you sleep. Lah. But if you want to sleep, fine. May God give you visions and dreams this morning. <laughs> Amen. It better be a good one. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray one more time. I want to pray rest for some of us. Yeah, I know it's been a tiring week. You know, work has been tough. COVID, you know, it's not easy for some of you. I want to pray for the rest of the Holy Ghost to come upon us. Father, we invite you, your Lord, into this house right now. Lord, you said in your word, God, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. This morning, come on, let's pray in the Holy Ghost just for a moment. You said, oh God, this is the refreshing and this is the rest, oh God. And Father, you are that living water, God, that never runs dry. Today, God, we come here in the greatest reunion dinner, God, of all time, where we can feast on your word, where we can drink of your spirit, oh God. And Father, right now, would you release oh God, your special grace upon all those that are gathered here this morning. Lord, those who are watching online as well, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, restore their body, God. Lord, help them feel, God, Lord, that rest, oh God, that comes only by in, in your presence, oh God. Lord, we thank you, God, for this day. In Jesus' name, can everyone say amen? Amen. We're going to complete the series about, is God in charge? Okay? I'm going to put a subtitle, which I didn't give MQ, but never mind. I'm going to put a subtitle to this um, the word that God has given us, um, moving from fear to trust. Okay, I'm, you know, Brother Brian said beautifully last week about a few things that, um, you know, that, that gives us indication, you know, when God is not in charge. And there are a few, like, you know, when I believe that God is not fair, won't forgive, etc., etc. But I want to go down to the root issue 
of why is it so hard to surrender. Okay, and just bear with me for a moment because I, I, after along the way, you'll realize that, hey, we are all the same, okay? 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Okay, we're going to start from that passage of Scripture. If you have Bibles, turn with me. I know MQ is doing a great job, but if you just for the habit's sake, okay, turn to your Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Can everyone say power? And of love. Can we all say love? And of a sound mind. Some people say it's a disciplined mind. Okay? So let me give you a very interesting story. One time I remember, okay, when my child was going swimming. The first time I brought her, new territory, okay, and I was in the water and she was, in, I think, Bukit Batok Swimming Complex. This before COVID, huh? So she was sitting at the, at the edge of the water and I told her, I said, hey, jump, jump. I said, daddy will catch you. So my kid took a while to, it hesitated. I said, uh, no, no, man, you know, you know, this water looks deep. Will daddy catch me? You know, and she was standing at the edge of the water. I said, don't worry. Daddy will catch you. And for a while, my kid didn't want to jump into the water and she didn't really trust me. I said, why? You see, the reason why she didn't jump is very standard. Because she's scared, what, right? Fear. Fear is one of the key reasons why people don't want to let go of control. You want to hold on to the edge? You don't want to jump into the water? Now, now no problem. Now, in fact, I tell them, don't jump, don't jump. Stop jumping. Because they just do cannonballs all over. Because... After a while, they, they realize that, hey, you know, it's not that scary to jump into the water. You know, daddy say jump, okay, means can jump. So now they just keep jumping in the water. I say, hey, wait, wait, check the, check the, check the height first. Ah. You only kate kate one. Ah. You jump into those two meters, you liao away. So, you know, you got to check the, the you know, and, and the kids are like that. Kids naturally, even children who trust very much, also experience fear and they are afraid to release control. But the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Now, what is perfect love? Perfect, it means it is a complete love. You see, some loves are not what I say perfect. Some loves are what I call conditional. Okay, we'll talk about that later on. But God's love is a perfect love. In fact, the love of God is the most powerful, liberating force in the world. His love is not just love, it's unconditional love. It's the most powerful force in the world. Can everyone say Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, famous passage of Scripture. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death or life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you agree, can you say Amen. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Wait, but there's one thing here that I don't see in this sentence. It says, no things present, no things to come. What is missing? Our past. One of the things that makes love imperfect is that when God loves you with unconditional love, but you struggle to receive that love because of things you have done in the past, and you cannot resolve that guilt. And that guilt becomes shame. And even though God loves you so much, you struggle to even believe that love. 
So that thing can separate you from the love of God. It's not because God don't love you. You struggle to receive it. And let me give you some context on that. One of the greatest issues that cause us to have this, what we call the root of control and lust, is this thing called unresolved guilt. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love is not perfect. It didn't reach us or we didn't receive it. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. You see, we all sin naturally. We all sin against God. We are, we are natural in, in, in we, we go through guilt. We all go through guilt, okay? When I ate too much chocolate, I feel guilty. This week, this week I ate too much bakwa. I felt guilt already. I felt guilty, guilty calories. Every bite is a guilt, but I don't know why. No matter how much guilt I feel, I feel like eating more. Because guilt always makes you feel like doing more, right? Okay, never mind. Don't answer that. But guilt becomes a problem. And guilt is not a bad thing, first of all. Because guilt at least gives you an awareness that you did something wrong. Like my, one of my songs that my, my daughter sang, Who stole the cookie from the cookie pot? In the days when I say, Who eat the cookies? I say, Cannot eat. And the guilt comes in. Now I know, oh, okay, this is the one. Or this person, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. Yeah, guilt is not a bad thing because without guilt, you wouldn't respond to God's word. You wouldn't have a chance of repentance, right? So guilt is not a bad thing. But guilt becomes a problem when it is either ignored, which is also bad, because if you ignore guilt, you are, you are causing, like, you know, you sear the conscience. Say, ah, yeah, never mind. I just keep doing it over and over again. I keep punching. I keep, I keep stealing. No, no, no. Guilt is, you don't, you don't ignore guilt. You have to respond the right way. But guilt can also turn into shame. I remember a time when I disciplined one of my child. I won't name who, because you don't know which one I can guess. I disciplined one of my child. And, okay, to be honest, I was a bit hard. Okay, I scold, 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 scold. Because this kid just did something super jealous. Like, really, really bad. And I said, you, no, no, no. Never one time did I say that she was a bad person. I just said that what you did was wrong. This, this is wrong. And this kid said to me, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I said, wait, wait, wait. When she said that same, I said, no, 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 wait. I never said you're terrible. What you did was terrible. <laughs> but you are not terrible. You're my daughter. I'm terrible. So for that two weeks, right, I had to struggle with this statement, uh, I'm terrible. Eh. And I had to just spend extra time telling you, no, you're not terrible. I love you. Then and yeah, I said, okay, lah, this, this thing you did was, yeah, it's bad. But you, you are not bad. You are a good girl. I can't remind her. But then at the same time, I say, I'm terrible. And that's what we feel sometimes when we do something wrong with God. Instead of focusing on the issue, they say, ugh. You know, what I did was wrong. I, 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 I did something, a terrible thing. But you're not terrible. You are not terrible. God loves you. He paid a price for you. He died for you. You are not terrible. You have value in the eyes of God. You're His child. But that's what shame is. Shame is when you turn the I did terrible things to I am terrible. And it's a painful emotion of disgrace and it's caused by a strong sense of guilt. I'm going somewhere with this. Shame focuses on who you, what you, not on what you have done, but being ashamed of who you are. Hear me now. And the feeling of shame where you feel like you are a mistake causes a deep sense of unworthiness and the constant fear that God will abandon and reject you. I remember one time when one of, another one of my kids, you know, was two years old then. You know, two years old, lah, what's happening? They call it the what? Ah, yeah, terrible tools. I should change that statement. The kid, not terrible. It's the challenging tool, okay? The challenging tools. And I told her, I said, you know what? 
pick up the toy. Very simple. You mess up the place, pick up the toy. And for the very first time in two years, I heard the word, no. Wow, you die already. They say, what do you mean no? I give you a second chance. God, God is merciful. Daddy is also merciful. Pick up the toy, please. Wow, ask nicely, you know. Please. No. Wow, put the leg down nowhere. Oh, no. Come, come, come. I bring her to the room. Go pick up the toy. No. And this lasted for 45 minutes in HQ after prayer meeting. Pastor was there and he says, this is a war. Don't lose. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to go home. I'm tired after prayer meeting. I want to go home already. So I said, okay, okay, okay. So for 45 minutes, we wrestled with this kid's will. I said, I'm not leaving this place until you pack up. Because if I lose this war, I'll never win this again. I got more resistance. 45 minutes, we wrestled, wrestled. Until uh, I was so tired, I said, well, if you don't give up, uh, I don't know what to do. Eh. We sleep overnight already. I told Brad, hey, get ready. Uh, we're just hanging here. And finally, after 45 minutes, with tears in her eyes, okay. And she, I say, hold my hand, daddy. So I grab her hand. Okay, like, give Chana. I hold her hand and move it to the toy. And she grab. Hey, move her hand. <laughs> and she drop it into the box. Immediately after that, I quickly grab my daughter. I grab, I grab her. I says, "I'm so, I'm so glad you listened to me. I love you, okay? Daddy beat you not because I hate you. I love you so much, and I cannot allow rebellion to come into your life. I love you." And I thought she'll reject me after that. No way. Eh. From that whole week after that, right? She's closer to me than I've ever had before. Eh. And she hugged me. She hugged me. She said, "It's okay. I love you. I love you." And I hug her. I reaffirm her, because see, God is like that. He's not angry with. You as a person, he's angry with what you did because what you did will cause you harm. And he does sometimes, God, in his loving nature, he has to discipline you because he knows that there's a greater danger. If I ask you to cross the road, if I say no and you don't listen to that no, you're going to get banged down by the car. That is a danger as parents we are trying to prevent. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, hear me now. So, Recently, I've been having very toxic uh, emotions about God. Recently, I don't know why. I felt I was struggling to pray. You know, I tried to, to, to read. I couldn't read. I was trying to flow. I, know, I was really struggling. And then I picked up a book on grace and I started reading this thing called grace. The past two weeks, grace is a topic I never really read very much. And I read the topic on grace and suddenly those emotions start to lift. And I realized something, that this thing about the unconditional love of God it's such a powerful force to liberate you from the, your inability to surrender and trust God. So we teach our children discipline. We tell them, okay, you know, you, there are consequences. If you do this, you get a toy. You don't do this, you don't get a toy. And that's great. You teach them, you, you, you reap what you sow. That's important. But have we ever taught our children what we call grace? Where you get something because you didn't do anything at all to deserve it. I want to give you this. So I decided one morning, I said, okay, kids, come. I'm going to go to Toys R Us with you all. Why? They're like, why, daddy? I said, I'm going to buy you all one toy each. They're like, what in the world just happened? My daddy got prayer meeting one or something. I'm going to buy one toy for you all. Daddy, why? Why you buy me toy? What do you think I buy you all toy this morning? And they think very hard. In the past, they would say this, oh, because maybe I did my homework. Uh, is it because I packed my room? And that morning, I said, oh, I'm going to buy you a toy. You know why? Because I... Exactly. Because I love you. That's it. No reason. Take it. Then later, the next day, 
one of my kids once again had a bad day, bad day, giving me and my wife a hard time. Tao mean in the in the home. Don't, uh, means like, you know, very, very gloomy. Just having a bad day, don't want to eat, don't do anything. I was so angry with her and I says, you're not going to get any. Now I stopped my moment. You, you know what, in my heart, here's my thought. You don't deserve any reward because of this bad behaviour that you did. And as a parent, it's very natural to go that way. I don't want to, and it's okay. And there are times the consequences must take place. You, you had to do that once in a while. But that morning, I said, God, I, I just read about Grace. And I realized something, that sometimes God sometimes gives grace to people that really don't deserve it. I'm going to do something different this week. So the kid was really sulking us, really time out everything already. I said, come, did he buy you ice cream? And she's like, stunned, man. Why are you buying me ice cream? After all the bad things I've did this morning, daddy flipped the Uno reverse card on me and decided to buy me ice cream. I said, I buy you ice cream, come. What's your favorite? Strawberry ice cream, come, let's go. So I bought her a tub of ice cream eh, and I gave her to eat the ice cream. Don't make sense, right, as a parent. But let me tell you something. After that, okay, dear. Her mood changed. She started to smile. She became grateful. And the bad attitude just left. Say, Brother Sam, you're reinforcing bad behavior. I know, I've done that whole thing. And it's correct to do those things. But we teach our kids discipline and we should rightly so. But how about the area of grace? Have we taught our children grace? Because our Father in heaven sometimes does things like that towards us when we don't deserve the love and the forgiveness and, and even the blessings we have in our lives. But even though, when, even though we are so terrible, God still loves us. He still gave us a chance. He gave us a second chance. He gave us our house. He gave us our jobs. He blessed us. That's why the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes the unjust gets blessed as well because that's the grace of God. And if you struggle with God's fairness, guess what? Grace is not fair. It's not fair. And to be honest, I don't understand. I don't get it, God. But I know what grace does for me. It releases gratitude. And gratitude is the most powerful motivating factor for someone to surrender and trust God. Because when you're grateful towards God, Lord, I'm not doing this because I can earn your love, but I'm grateful for all, despite my weaknesses, you still gave it to me. Aren't you glad that God loved you with His grace this morning? You didn't deserve it. You didn't get your ang pao because you did a chore for, your, for some uncle, auntie in the church. We gave you ang pao, kids. Because that's grace. I'm not saying don't take consequences. That, 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 no, don't, I'm not saying don't discipline. You still got to discipline. But we got to give a balanced view of it. And I'm learning as a parent. I'm not perfect, okay? I mess up so many times. But I just had this recent discovery that maybe if I try something different, I'm going to release and teach my child something that I, they have never learned before. Grace. You see, the devil wants to turn our guilt to shame. And he knows that shame separates us from God. So the devil accuses us hard when we sin against God. The funny thing is he tempts us first and then he accuses us after. Wow, they're very funny, yeah, this guy. He gets us to sin and he tells us that we are bad after that. Dirty trick. Genesis 3, 7-11 Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and they heard the Son of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you? Who told you you were naked? Because I didn't. God never told them they were naked. Who told you? 
You see, there was an accuser of the brethren, the devil. Because after he tempted them to sin, he began to speak voices into their heads. And he says, see, you're so bad. Don't ever face God again. He will never accept you. And they started to hide from God. See, that's the nature of shame. See, there are three characteristics of false guilt that we have to be aware of. Otherwise, as Christians, we are trapped into this trap of shame and we struggle to come back to God. And that's why we feel that when we come, we come for service, it feels like work to us. Living for God feels tiring because we're not living in the grace. We are, we are trying to fulfill requirements. We're trying to fulfill the guilt that we are feeling. False guilt is based on this thing, what we call self-condemning feelings that you have not lived up to expectations or of those of someone else. False guilt arises when you blame yourself, even when you sometimes commit no wrong and you've repented already, but you still blame yourself. You cannot seem to confess enough. False guilt keeps you in bondage because there are three destructive weapons, shame, fear, and anger. Let me tell you what anger does. When a child of God deals with shame. They cannot, they don't, they, maybe God loves them, but they don't receive that love. They don't feel that God loves them. They then become what we call angry. God, how can God be so, why the rules in church so hard? Why God so hard on me, one? Ah? And because you have this negative anger towards God, here's where the control takes place. When you become angry because you don't feel that love of God, then you become what we call rebellious. In response to God not loving me, so to speak, I'm going to fight back. I will start attacking God. I will blame. Since you don't love me, God, I will run my own life and I will love myself. Oh, guess who did that? The prodigal son. Give me my inheritance, dad. I will earn my own money. I will figure this out. I don't want to be with my dad anymore. That's what shame does. And because of this separation from God, humanity goes into this thing called because when God and man separate, man is now powerless. He has no one to provide for him. He has no one to, to kind of find pleasure, no more presence of God. So what does man do? Man needs to find pleasure somewhere. That's where the lust of the flesh comes in. I will find pleasure aside from God. That's the lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes, I'll find another provider other than my God. Pride of life. I want position and power to run my own life instead of surrendering to God. Can you see how unresolved guilt can lead us to separate from God and allow us and say, you know what? I'd rather be a Christian atheist than to go to a God that has rejected me. God has not rejected you. That's the lie from the pits of hell. And why I can trust God with my life? Because He has unconditional love towards me this morning. And I'm speaking to someone here that you came to church and you think that you have a lot of requirements to fulfill. You have to show up. Trust me. You have a choice this morning. I show up this morning because of what the Lord has done for me. He loves you no matter what. You want to stay home, God loves you. You come here, God loves you. But I tell you first, you come here, you'll be blessed. You go home, you know, you're, you're on your own. But I'm just saying this, Lord, I don't want to have this nagging thought that I've not done enough all the time. This morning, I just want to receive grace. Can we do that this morning? Can we just respond to the love of God? Father, we don't want to walk here, God. I know, Lord, the importance of obedience. I know, God. But Father, your love is not conditional 
on what I have done and what I have not done. Your acceptance, oh God, your, you love us so much, oh God. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us why you will love us this morning. But Father, right now, God, release us, oh God, from the lie, oh God, that I have to do something so that God, Lord, will, that, that God will love me, that God will bless me. Lord, there are times when I've seen you bless me, oh God, despite my weaknesses. But Lord, today, I want to walk in gratitude. I want to remember, God, what you have done for me. And Lord, all that I do this morning is a response to what you have already done this day. And Father, right now, we pray, God, Lord, that you release, oh God, the revelation of your grace upon your people. Lord, it's not a goofy grace. It is a grace that allows us to have the power to do the right thing. And Father, we need you this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, the next point about when God is not in charge is when I believe in God but trust more in money. You know why the root of the love of money? The root of the love of money is simply this. It's the love for control. Money gives us control. There's a, there's a one streamer, I, I mean, watch, uh, saw this Twitch streamer. Someone asked the Twitch streamer, do you love money? The guy said, you mean the, the green colour piece of paper? I don't like the green piece of paper. I like what the green piece of paper gives me. <laughs> Nobody loves the paper. Paper is just paper. Money, paper, useless. You cannot wipe my nose, also not, not smelly. I don't love the money itself, but I love what money can allow me to get. Money is control. And some people here feel the love of money is the love of having control. Chinese New Year, famous gods, Chai Shen, right? You see, trusting in money, this is what happens. Many people believe that money can bring happiness and others can feel that when they have enough, they feel secure. It is not money per se that they love. They love the happiness so-called that they can get it and the security that they feel. It is the control. And that control stems from the one thing, you have separation from God. But here, here's the problem with money. Money is a bad substitute for God. Let's read Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No one can serve two masters, for you hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Can everyone say uncertain? It is an uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Some of us think that God is trying to deprive us. No. God is super generous, eh? One of the biggest lies of the devil, you read the story of, Adam, of Eve when she was tempted. The devil wants you to focus on the one tree that you cannot eat. But then she never considered, how about the 10,000 trees in the garden that God has given you? And every time you feel that propensity to want to sin against God, here's my strategy, okay? Every time you have the urge to sin against God, here's what happens. We always focus on, I cannot do this, I cannot do this. I cannot. So your focus is on the one thing you cannot do. You want to get temptation out of your life sometimes? Stop focusing. What the Lord has done for me. What this grace has done for me. That's why grace is so powerful. Because when you recognize God's grace in your life, you focus on the goodness of God. And when you focus on how good God has been for you, you tell me whether it's hard to sin or not. Very hard. Eh? Because you already so, so say, wow God, I'm so grateful. How can I do this to you? I can't. 
Because the focus is on grace. It's on the love of God, His abundance of mercy. And then you focus on that, temptation begins to cease. Because that, 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 but if you keep focusing on, I cannot do this, I cannot do this, I cannot do this, eventually you will do it. You sure one, okay? Someone once said this, wealth is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. Or like this statement by Wallace Simpson, the Duchess of Windsor, you can never be too rich or too thin. (laughs) Never mind. You can never be too rich or too thin. In fact, in school, we learned this thing called the Maslow. You know this Maslow thing? Right? The five Maslow needs, what? Physiological, safety, love, esteem, actualization. The fact there's a pyramid, it shows you one thing. Man is always craving for something more. Once you hit the first level, you need the next one. Okay, I want safety. After safety, I want love. You, know, I say? you will always crave more and more and more. And there is no end to humans' perpetual drive for something more until, until we meet the one that has given us everything. Until we meet Jesus. That's why when the psalmist in Psalms 23 verse 1 said this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know how powerful that statement is? David is actually saying, when God is my shepherd, I don't have any need. I don't have the craving for more. I have all that I need. And that's what we call contentment. This morning, I'm speaking to some of us here. Let the Lord be your shepherd. Because the craving, the striving, I don't feel satisfied. I don't feel enough purpose. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. There's a reason why that is going through your life right now. Because God has not been your shepherd. And without that contentment in your heart, there's always this striving for more. And then that's why we begin to trust money more than we trust the Lord. So here's the question. That's why Jesus said in John 4, 13-14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. If you're going to try to fulfill your own life, you're going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give to him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give to him shall become to him in the fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, when Jesus, when you have the Holy Ghost, when you receive the Spirit of God in your life, that is the living water that, rele- that, that quenches every thirst in your heart. And then you no longer want to crave. You, you are able to, instead of, instead of always holding back your money because you're, you're so afraid of, of, of losing control, guess what? When you feel that God is in control, you have that ability to be generous. He said, now I can release control of what I have because God will provide for me. But you know something? I'm going to take my resources. I'm going to bless somebody with those resources. Let me tell you something. The mark of the, the first century church, what set apart the first century church from the rest of the world was not their theology. was not. Because their theology was very strange. The first century was very strange. To people like, ah, Jesus raised from the dead. That's very weird to people. Like. But you know what set them apart from the rest of the world? The first century church was very generous. They, 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 they sow all they have and they shared among one another. They gave to the poor and they made sure that their own have enough. And there was, a, there was an article written about a, a, a Roman emperor, Justin. He said he tried to bring paganism back into the society, but he couldn't do so because the first century church was so generous that they didn't just give to those that are within their own community. They also gave to the poor within the unbelievers. And the community was so moved by the grace of the first century church that no matter how much he tried to bring paganism in, 
the force of Christianity was so strong. You know why? Because the first century church understood grace. That people that didn't deserve it got blessed. They forgave even though they were persecuted. They loved people even to no end. I heard of stories of the forgiveness of the first century. Even though they were persecuted by the Romans, they still reached the Romans. And it was that grace of God, that, that love, that generosity that changed the world in the first century. But what will happen to the people of God this morning if we were to be generous? But we cannot be generous if we are fearful. So here's the question. How do I lose the whole of money on my life? First of all, I'm going to be first to admit to you, this has a hold on me sometimes. Amen? Am I the only one here that struggles with money? <laughs> Am I the only one here that struggles with the fact that I need cash? <laughs> sometimes it's scared to, oh no, God, faith promise come ready. Should I give or should I hold? Should I give or do I take back? There are feelings that way, right? I also feel that way. Because when I give, I feel like I lose control. Eh? Okay? So how do I lose the whole of money in my life? Here we go. First one. Very simple. Return to the God who loves you deeply and unconditionally. Don't run. He's your provider. You messed up. He still loves you. He still wants to provide for you. He's still your heavenly father. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God's demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, what a blessing. What a verse. One of the best verses in the Bible. 1 John 3, 21. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And we have confidence towards God, you don't have fear. You don't have fear. John chapter 7, verse 37, On the last day, the great day of the feast, the end of Chinese New Year, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirst, not Chinese New Year, okay? If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of your heart shall flow rivers of living water. Receive the beautiful blessing of the Holy Ghost living inside of you. That is a gift from God. And when you feel that love from God, that assurance that God loves you, then you can go to the next part. Remove the sin that causes guilt through two things, repentance and being born again. If you are here this morning, you have not been born again, there is something that the Bible says that tells, that gives you the assurance that your sins are washed away. Yes, Jesus died for you on the cross. His blood is freely given. You are saved by the grace of God. And Jesus gave us a plan to receive that promise. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission. The word remission here, the removal of sins. You want to get rid of the shame and the guilt that you have? Guess what? Here's the free gift. It's like the guy said, hey, You know what? Uh, is that the text they say, okay, you, want, you need to go to uh, Jurong Point to this counter to collect the free gift. That is the message of salvation. Jesus paid that price. But you have to go and collect the gift, what? And baptism is collecting the gift. You didn't earn it. You just got to go and grab it. So the Bible says, be baptized for the remission of sins. Baptism is redeeming the free gift that God has given you. 
And when we baptized, we said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And we came out of that water. Guess what? The one thing that I felt when I came out of the water of baptism is no guilt, no shame. That open heaven between me and God is that restoration of relationship. And when God becomes my heavenly Father, there is no fear. And then 1 John 1, 9, if you have been baptized, guess what? If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you have issues with unresolved guilt this morning, God, is, God gave you a promise. You need to make right with Him with confession. And here's the promise. If you just were to confess and say, God, help me. He has a promise to cleanse you. He has a promise to remove that guilt. And you can leave here this morning with no shame. And without shame, you have perfect love. And that perfect love casts out fear. Next one. Redefine what is temporal and eternal. There's a story of John Wesley. He often get up 5am to preach three times daily. He left a legacy of 79,000 Methodists in England and 40,000 in America. John Wesley was known as the father of the religious paperback. He published 5,000 sermons, tracts and pamphlets. He gave away 150,000 during his lifetime to spread the gospel, living well below his means to do so. John Wesley left behind a well-worn coat and two silver teaspoons. That's all he had left. Somebody asked the question, why is John Wesley so generous and he gave it all? Because John Wesley had a very clear view of what is temporary and what is eternal. One of the biggest struggles when someone says, Lord, it's not fair. It's not fair that I'm living for God. But I don't have as much as those persons who are not living for God. Well, guess what? You're only seeing the temporary. If you were to open your eyes and lift up your hands and realize you have a lot going on for you. You have a holiday ticket to heaven, a free one, and it is for eternity. What you see on earth is not it. And the scripture says in Matthew, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break and in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It was the same John Wesley that said this, when I have money, I get rid of it quickly, lest it finds a way into my heart. You see, when we have money, when God gave us finances, He wants us to invest it into eternity. And if we lose sight of eternity, we compare with those on earth. Next one. I love this scripture. Next point. Remember to stay close to God and His people. Psalm 73, verse 12 to 17. This is for the, uh, for I call the, the young people, younger people. Because I heard, I heard statements like this, and I, me too, I've said this before. The psalmist is very in touch with what we go through. So this is what the psalmist said. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. You know what this guy is saying? Lord, I look at Instagram and the people who are not living for God seem to be having a good time. And here I am living for God and I feel miserable. It's not fair, Lord. Remember last week? God is not fair. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. And even if I say it out, I cannot say it out. Like. If I say this out, people think I'm very unspiritual. Eh? Because he said this, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of my children. 
I can't even say it out. I can't even confess it to people that I'm feeling unjust. Eh? Verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. But then verse 17, until, can everyone say until? Until I went into the sanctuary of, the, of God, then I understood their end. You see, why do we gather every Sunday morning? Because this is a glimpse of what eternity is supposed to be like. I know there are some times when you come here, you don't feel anything. I understand that. But do you remember the times when you were in DCD? Do you remember the times when you were young in kids' church services? Do you remember the Holy Ghost moment, the services, and you felt that heaven reached down on earth, and you felt that presence of God, and it reminded for you that, that there's a presence that says, you know what? This is temporary. There is a heaven up there. Every time we gather, we are reminding ourselves there is a heaven that we are. Jesus is coming back soon, folks. Jesus is coming. You look at the world today. Jesus is coming back soon. This whole thing is about to wrap up. If you think that life on earth is, is, is going to last forever, guess what? It's not. Even our resources on earth is running out already. Okay, you want to save the earth? Yeah, but really cannot save. There's really not much you can do about it. It's going to run out eventually. And every time I gather here, I remind myself, you know what, I'm not going to compare myself with the people out there. And it's not their fault. They just do their thing. I can't compare with them because they don't see the big picture. Everything is going to be okay. And when I come to the house of the Lord, it reminds me that I have a privilege because God has given me something that will last forever. And I can find that in eternity. I don't know whether I can finish my notes today. Okay, I'm not going to rush this. Do you struggle with fairness? Have you ever compared your Instagram feeds? Because I have. How come? How come, God? And God says, in due time, you will find out you are the one that is being blessed. You will thank me on the day when you make it. If you want to go to heaven and say, God, why you give me this life or not? You know what? <laughs> when you get to heaven, I don't see anyone in the Bible in heaven ever complaining. Why do you put me through what you put me through? Everyone in heaven just simply rejoices because they made it. And this morning, a vision from a vision of heaven will let you know how thankful we are to be part of the people of God. I don't know what Brother Brian read just now, but we are part of the citizenship of heaven. Don't lose sight of your final destination this morning. If you think that life on earth is all there is, Yes, you will compare. Yes, you will feel it's very unfair. But if you were to compare what you're going to get after you leave this earth, you will find it's not fair for them because you get what you get. And those feelings of, oh, I'm deprived. You're not deprived. You're very blessed. Can you turn to someone and say, you are very blessed. You are very blessed. Not blessed, go to, the back, go to the back of the Bible, go read Revelation 22. You read the whole story about heaven, then you tell me whether you are blessed. Because that's where you're going, folks. And there's nothing on earth that I'm going to trade heaven for. Reinvest through giving to something bigger than yourself. I'm going to jump ahead to my next point because I know that Time is running short. 
I'm sorry if I don't finish this, okay? But I'm just going to let the Holy Ghost... Because sometimes, one point is more important. The one thing that you need this morning is more important. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 to 34. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, he will, will He not more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This will lead up to the next point, and probably my last one this morning. So after last week, I was talking to my care group. I said, hey guys, I was sharing my reflections out because we have sermon recap. And the one thought came to my mind, I said, why does God give us a, a why does God give me a worry-free life? You know, I always pray, God, you know, help me with my finances, help me, help me, you know. Yeah, okay, great. He helps me in all that and I don't worry so much. What is the purpose of a worry-free life? And I say, God, why, why would I... I feel very bad. So I say, okay, God, I want worry-free so that I can spend time on my own things. I don't need to fear. Yeah, that's a good thing. But that's for myself, you see. But the scripture tells us that God gives us a worry-free life so that we can focus on His kingdom. You see, if we want the blessings of God just for ourselves, that was not how God intended this to be. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's saying this, the reason why I'm going to provide for you as Jehovah Jireh sometimes is so that you stop thinking about these things and start going out there and doing what I'm asking you to do. Because if I'm a soldier, the last thing I want is to worry about what's going on at home. But if I know that my home is secure, I'm going to fight this war without fear. Because my, I, like I said, I got bought insurance already. Don't worry. I got bought insurance. I'm going to chung. I have nothing to fear. Everything is taken care of. And sometimes God is saying this. You want your worry-free life. Well, God says it. The promise is this. Seek ye first the kingdom. You, you, you say, God, what do you mean by that? If you take care of what God asks you to do, He's going to take care of you this morning. You take care of God's business, He takes care of your business. I've seen it multiple times in my life. When I pray for finances, nothing comes in. You know, then I say, you know what? Instead of focusing on the things that I don't have, I'm going to seek His kingdom first. I'm going to come for prayer meetings. I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm doing all these things not to earn, earn my blessing. I'm not here to earn my blessing. You don't get to earn blessings. God is gracious. But I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. And in the process of doing the right thing, God sends the blessing. And you know something? He says, if you do what I ask you to do, I got your back. That is the promise. Matthew 6 is a promise that I've seen countless of times happen to many of you here. You came for a prayer meeting. You didn't know what is happening. You are struggling with your job finding. You come for a prayer meeting. The next day, your job comes. You say, God, instead of, and, and God had to evaluate my prayer life. Because recently, I, I, I say, God, God, I'm my helper in the everything finances. I've been praying about my needs, my needs, my needs. And God says, do you know, realize something, Sam? Your prayer has now centered around changing the circumstances of your current situation. It's all about you, isn't it, Sam? I say, yeah, you're right, God. Is that seeking my kingdom first? No. So what are you going to do about it? Okay. <laughs> because sometimes we pray and pray and you know what? 
it's okay to pray for your needs. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But if every single day, all you pray about is centered around God changing the circumstances in your life. And then the question is, is your prayer centered around God changing the eternal destiny of people? And I had to change the way I pray because seeking the kingdom first means that, Lord, sometimes I'm going to put my needs in the corner. Okay, I'm not saying ignore it. Put it there first. I'm just going to put focus on what is your business. So one of the Christian atheists or the statements here is when God is in, when I believe in God, but I don't share my faith. You see, God gave us the promise of Jehovah Jireh so that you can be free without fear to tell others of the grace of God. One of the most beautiful things happened yesterday. My mom and my family went to my auntie. My auntie is a missionary in China, uh, Chengdu. She's retired. La. She's quite elderly. Already. She came back. And my auntie is a, is a single lady. She, she gave her whole life to the gospel. And I, I'm very privileged to be born into a family of a praying. She's the one that brought my dad to church. She prayed in my room. Every time I, feel, I enter my room, I could feel the presence of God. When I was a kid, la. then I found out that she stayed in my room before I was born. So she prayed over that room for years. Eh. And she was such a beautiful, sweet spirit of a lady. She came, she took my family in. She's, you know, she's retiree, right? Wow, she cooked us this feast. Eh. Wow, it was, she cooked scallop, la, prawn, la. Uh, she one person scallop, prawn, two fish, uh, two fish, uh, veg two vegetable dishes, chicken curry, pork trotters. One lady, you know, cooked for all of us all that. Eh. And then I'm like, wow. And she just had this beautiful feast on the table. And we sat there, we ate. You know, my mom and I were so grateful that, wow, this lady's so nice to us. And she's genuine one, eh. She's so generous to us. She loves me so much. She says, Sam, I'm always praying for you. I said, I want to cry. I don't only see you once a year, you're praying for me, eh. And I trust me, she really does pray for me. And then, while my mom and I were cooking and helping her in the kitchen, she went out to my mom, she took out a gospel track. Come, I want you to read this, the greatest love story of all. And she started reaching out to my mom. And I thought gospel track is so cringy, you know? Like, gospel, who uses gospel track nowadays? Oh, guess what? It works, eh? It works with my mom's generation. She said, oh, greatest love story. Okay, I'm going to read. I'm like, What? Gospel track, eh? And then she go and show my, my brother, eh? Hey, come, check out this gospel track, the greatest love story, eh? And they started reading the gospel track, eh? Wow, so I thought, uh, my, my auntie old school, uh, old school, old school method, go and give out tracks, pamphlets, uh, this new generations, I uh, use Instagram story, cool, cool. Gospel track, eh? But my mom loves my auntie so much, eh, for her generosity. And the beautiful thing is, she's in the midst of all the busyness of cooking. She never lost sight of the focus. It's to seek and to save the lost. We need to start preparing some gospel tracks. <laughs> hey, young people, it may not work on you, uh, but some people, my mom's generation loves reading, okay? They actually have paper. <laughs> they read books, by the way, not, not, not this. And she started reading. My mom read the gospel track. And I was, I thought, and I would tell God, I said, God, I need to spend more time with my auntie. Because she has a heart of event. She won my entire father's side to the Lord. Every single one of them. And she's still reaching two more families. She won my dad to the Lord. And my, my dad brought me to church. And that began my process. She's always looking for opportunities. Chinese New Year. Maybe, here's an idea. 
go and prepare something. And you know something? At the right timing, don't be scared. Just give. You may think the UTB small thing, right, means nothing. You'll be very surprised. To us, because we're so used to this, we see it all the time. Ah, yeah, that's a track. To somebody who has never seen it before, it's, it's a cause for curiosity. Because if I call myself a follower of Jesus Christ, and I have a vision of heaven, I have to remember that my mission, my business, is not changing my circumstances so that I have a better life. My mission is to make sure that somebody's eternal destiny is changed because of my influence. That is my purpose on earth. And this Chinese New Year, great opportunity. You meet one, two families. I love small gatherings, by the way. I feel more rested this year than I've ever been because it's quality time. It's not like 20, 30 people, kids running around the, 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 the hall and I barely can talk five minutes to each one. Now I can go to one family at a time and really, really talk to them and really share my life with them or they share their life with us. And we need to get ready. The Bible says, always be ready to share the hope of what you have to these people. He didn't say share your, share your hope because you've got to tell people that in the midst of things that don't go right, you have a hope. Eh? There's hope. Let's take some time to pray. Let's pray for our visitations today. Some of you here, you're going to visit a family. Let's pray for a divine visitation. And for those who are not visiting, let's pray that God will open the door for you to share what you have. Father, right now, we pray for every saint that is here in this room right now. God, we are so thankful, God, for the great gift, oh God, of your salvation and your gospel, God, to us as a church. But Father, heaven is not our home. And Lord, we thank you, God, that in the midst, oh God, of seeking your kingdom first, we know, God, that you are taking care of our needs. But Father, in the same time, we don't want to forget, God, that our purpose, God, Lord, is to do the Father's business, which is to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, help us, oh God, not to be so, 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 uh, 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 to be so used to this thing, oh God, that we forget, God, to that somebody else needs this truth. Somebody else needs, oh God, to know the greatest love story on Valentine's Day. That in the midst of their loneliness, oh God, they know that there is a Valentine that it loves them with an everlasting love. And we pray today, Lord, that you, that you will anoint your people this morning. That you grant us favour. Lord, that you open a divine appointment, oh God. Lord, this day, oh God, we have with our friends, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, let them, let them oh God, be drawn, oh God, to who we are. Let them be drawn, O oh God, to the graciousness and the generosity that comes, Lord, through our spirits, O oh God. And Father, we pray, O oh God, this Chinese New Year, God, let it not just be about feasting, but help us to remember that somebody needs to change their eternal destination, O oh God. And Father, right now, God, we ask, O oh God, Lord, that you give us the right words to say, God. Lord, give us the Lord, help us to feel a love for these people that we don't normally have, O oh God. And Lord, let your grace, O oh God, be released through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everyone say amen? amen? Amen. Come on, can I get a big amen? I'll close with this last point. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exalting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When God is not in charge, the last point is when I believe in God and not in His church. You see, the struggle with the post-quarantine era 
is that we are so used to live stream, and it's not wrong to have live stream. Some people really cannot come. Sickness, you know, vulnerability, that's fine. Or maybe some situation, occasional issues. But we can get be so accustomed to live stream services and convenience. They come into church is no longer a joy anymore. I, I honest with you, man, bringing three kids, sometimes I, I honest lah, okay, that is like, uh, can I just stay at home one day just to watch the live stream and then just dump the kids in the room and then to travel so much. I feel that way before. But last time I never felt that way. Last time when we come to church, we all love to come. Okay, we are looking forward to it. But consider this, okay, and for those who are watching, just consider this, okay, just bear in me for a moment. If you have a sickness, right, I don't want my doctor, right, to treat me online. <laughs> I want my doctor to be there physically to do an operation on me. That's one. Secondly, I know we talk about we are the church. The church is not a building. I get it, okay? We are the church. But the church facility is where the church gathers. Coming physically still matters. Can I get an amen? I'm preaching to people that are already doing it, okay? So you guys, you get it. But church facility is where the church gathers. Be it a house, be it a church building, be it on the tree, as long as the church gathers there, it is a facility. Here's the issue where we miss a service. Hear me now. Here's what happens when we miss a service. John chapter 20, 19, 24. Famous passage of scripture. Talking about Thomas. The same day in the evening being the first day of the week. The Jewish first day of the week is actually Sunday. When the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled. Sounds like us, right? For the fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst. It was a church service and Jesus was there. And he said to them, Peace be unto you. And he said to this, He showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad. They came into the gathering with fear. But when they saw Jesus in the midst of, this, of the gathering, they were glad because they had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He commissioned them from the gathering. And then he said this, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what we go through here every morning. We come here and the Spirit of God breathes upon us. If you forgive the sins of many and they are forgiven them, if you retain the sins of many, they are retained. But somebody wasn't there. Who? Verse 24. Now Thomas caught the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. He missed service. And that is why he became doubting Thomas. You know why Thomas became doubting Thomas? Because he missed a service where Jesus was there and God spoke. And when you miss a service and you're not there to hear the word of God or to experience the touch from God, that week you will go through temptation, you will go through struggles with your faith. It's very natural. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word cleanses our minds. And when we come here, guess what? We come with fear, but we live with faith. We come with concerns, but we live with the peace of God. And Thomas was not there. And because he missed that particular gathering, he became doubting Thomas. But here's the beautiful thing. After eight days, they gathered again. This time, Thomas decided to show up physically in church service. Jesus, and the doors being shut, Jesus stood in their midst, verse 26 and verse 29. 
and said, Peace to you, and said to Thomas, Reach your side here, finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it in the side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. You know what that is? He saw the testimonies of what has been done. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. He started to trust God. He started to have faith again. You want to get out of this Christian atheist thing? Here's one thing that you can do very simply. Don't miss the gathering of the church physically. Because that will turn you from a doubting Thomas, a Christian atheist, to a follower of Jesus Christ. Because he didn't just call Jesus God, he called Jesus Lord. And being a Christian atheist is not just acknowledging him to be God, but also allowing him to be the Lord of your life. And when we gather here every morning, yes, your faith is not there, you're struggling with your trust issues, but don't stop coming because every time you come here and there's an encounter with Jesus Christ and you begin to hear the testimonies of the hands and the feet God has touched. You come here with stories of hearing how God has blessed some of people, my brothers and sisters with a job. You hear all these testimonies and you experience it for yourself. It will convert you from a Christian atheist to a Christ follower. Can we stand? The greatest revelation is not just that Jesus is God, but the one that we want to talk about this day is that Jesus is our Lord. He is so good to us this morning. His grace is sufficient for us. This day, I know we came here, we're going to have Chinese New Year celebration, praise the Lord, but I want us to have an opportunity to just respond to the word this morning. And this is how we're going to respond. You came here with your fears, you came here with your doubts, you came here not knowing what's going to happen. But Jesus is here in our midst and He's saying, peace be still. Why don't you resolve, if you have any unresolved guilt in your heart right now, the Bible says if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. If you have not been born again of the water and spirit, this morning you have an opportunity. If you have been through a Bible study, ask your teacher, what does it mean to be born again? And they will tell you. And let Jesus begin to wash away every sin and deal with your shame. If you came here with a fear and say, God, I have doubts, like doubting Thomas, why didn't you let Jesus show you evidences that He's so real in your life this morning. Father, we thank You, God, Lord, for gathering us this day. We thank You, God, for the Word that was spoken, God. These are Your words, not mine, God. And Father, we want to thank You, God. First of all, we acknowledge, God, that we are all recipients of the grace that we have never earned. We are recipients, oh God, of Your love, oh God, that we never deserved. And Jesus, this morning, God, we thank You, God, that despite it all, God, you are still a loving Father to us. A Father that looks at us, God, with eyes of love. And Jesus, we are so secure knowing the fact, God, that You are our provider, that You are our protector. And Father, this day, I want to trust You. Father, I'm surrendering control. I'm releasing the edge of that swimming pool. And I want to jump in to enter into the adventure of faith that I've never encountered before. This is what Christianity is. It is an exciting adventure of faith. But Lord, I cannot do that if I keep holding on to the side of that pool and not be willing to jump in. Father, 
I know God. And I've seen and I've heard stories of men of God and women of God who share the stories of the miraculous in their lives. I want that, God. I have a hunger for the miraculous. I have a hunger to see, oh God, Lord, the dead raised. I have the hunger to see, oh God, the sick be healed. Lord, we have a hunger, God, to see God's supernatural provision upon those who don't have, oh God. But Father, right now, this can only happen when we step out of that boat and walk on water with you, God. In Jesus right now, God, if you want to do, if you have the Holy Ghost, why don't you just pray in the Holy Ghost just for a while and let the Spirit of God begin to move upon your heart. Come on. That is the miraculous that God has given you. He has given you the gift of His Spirit. That's the first surrender that you had when you came to God. When you surrender your heart and surrender your tongue unto God. This morning right now, we are surrendering, oh God. We are surrendering our doubts to you. We are surrendering, oh God, our fears to you, God. And Father, we are receiving that grace, oh God, that came, oh God. Let your perfect love, oh God, cast out every fear that we have in our hearts right now. We cast our fear, God, of our finances to you. We cast our fear, oh God, of our health to you, oh God. In the name of Jesus. And Father, this year, God, we pray, oh God, use us, oh God, to be your vessels, oh God, to share your faith, oh God, to those that need it, oh God. Father, we don't want to let our fears hold us back anymore. But Lord, we want to become the church, oh God, the church that is powerful, the church that is advancing the kingdom of God, because that's what you called us to be, to seek ye first the kingdom this morning. And Father, right now, God, I'm turning my prayers into bigger prayers, oh God. This year, God, we are praying, oh God, for our families. We are praying, God, for our colleagues, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lose, oh God, your grace upon them this day. In Jesus' name, Father, that they will hear the word of the Lord. Father, that their hearts, oh God, will be drawn to you, God. And Father, right now, we pray, remove every barrier. Lord, that you reposition our minds, oh God, Lord, to have a vision of heaven this day. Lord, heaven is our home, oh God. Heaven is our destination and not on earth, oh God. So Lord, prepare us for eternity. Prepare us, oh God, right now. Let us not forget, oh God, Lord, that we are on this journey, oh God, to a greater place, oh God, in the end. Father, we thank you, God. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands and begin to pray. Lord, give us a vision of heaven this morning. Father, let us not forget, God, that this earth is temporary, but there is an eternity that we are going to reach, oh God. What is greater than, than going to heaven is bring someone with me. And Father, right now, use me, God. Let me be your hands and your feet this Chinese New Year. Lord, let the grace of God that we feel in this service be released to every home right now in the name of Jesus. We lose your angels, oh God, to go before us in our visitations right now. In the name of Jesus. Let us, oh God, this morning, oh God, when we go to eat at the hawker centre or the food court, Father, we pray, open our eyes, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, for the lost and the hungry, draw them, oh God, to your people this day. Father, let the church arise, oh God, this year, God.
God. In the midst of a pandemic, oh God. Lord, the church will advance, oh God. Lord, just like in the days of the first century church, oh God, where persecution did not stop them, resistance did not stop them, but they grew because, Lord, they had an invading force of your grace, oh God. And Father, right now, let your people, God, receive that grace this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, won't you turn your hand and, and begin to lift up to he, into the heavens and say, God, I receive your grace this morning. Father, I receive grace this morning, God. As I, as I go forth, oh God, from this place, God, let your grace lead me. Let your grace, oh God, empower me, God. Because without you, I can do nothing. But Lord, in your strength, God, I can do all things, oh God. Father, we thank you for your grace this day. And Lord, we love you. We worship you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we just clap our hands unto the Lord and let's give Him praise. Come on. Let's worship Him and give Him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Have a happy Chinese New Year. And for those who are not celebrating, have a great rest and holiday. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Turn to someone. Greet them. Thank you everyone for being here this Sunday. We'll see you next week. Praise the Lord. If you are seated behind on the box seat, you can take, make your way out.